From teaching others to feeding others and a lot of things in between. Stick around and we'll talk about that and how God can use us in different ways for His glory. Welcome to the Here at Home podcast, a podcast about the people here at McGregor, their stories, their ministry, and their love for Jesus. My name is Mark Bricker, and if this is your first time to the show, welcome. And if you're enjoying the Here at Home podcast, I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll get each new episode delivered right to your podcast player. So join me in welcoming our guest for today's podcast, Bob Fang. So glad to have you on the show, Bob. Well, thank you, Mark. It's good to be here. Yeah. And I, are, first of all, are you a podcast listener yourself? Not yet, but no, I will be. Not yet. <laughs> That's funny. People that uh, are on the show that never have listened to podcasts before, all of a sudden, hey, they take an interest in it. So we'll be glad to, to have you join our podcast community. Let's, let's get started by letting our listeners get to know you a little bit, because I've known you Ever since I came here almost 22 years ago, so I know you a little a little bit, but uh, a lot of folks listening might not know who Bob Fain is. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. Where were you born, Bob? In the dark ages. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was born in Norwich, Connecticut, but it wasn't my fault. Norwich, Connecticut. Yeah, mom and dad moved down to Fort Myers um, when I was in first grade and um, came across the old Edison Bridge and stopped at a gas station, and my dad was pulling a, motor, uh, a trailer and uh, he's asked the guy at the gas station, where can I park this thing? And he pointed out towards Tice, and he said, there's a trailer park out there. And so we went out, and we stopped at that trailer park, and that's where I grew up. Went to Tice Elementary School, and then Orange River Elementary School, and then Lee Junior Senior High School, and then Fort Myers High School, and then Edison Junior College for two years. So and you really grew up in this area yeah, then. Yeah, I'm, I'm a homeboy. Born in Connecticut, but pretty much raised here. Uh, yeah, raised here. And a lot of those same schools you were mentioning, uh, my wife went to. Mm. Uh, she grew up out in East Fort Myers yep. as well. So a lot of that is very, very familiar. Yep. Well, tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah. Um, happily married to Marsha. Um, Marsha was a math teacher at Calusa Middle School, and I was a science teacher. How long y'all been married now? Don't. Uh, <laughs> you're married in uh, 1979. So do the math. Like 42 years? Yeah, there okay. yep. Something like that. Yep. And um, um, we, we have two kids, two children, a boy and a girl. Um, we, it, it, when we were married, we started to try and have children. And Doctor said it just wasn't going to happen, mm. and then uh, Marsha got pregnant with Callie, and so that was like a miracle baby. And um, when Callie was born, she was a preemie; uh, she was three pounds six ounces when she was born. Wow. And uh, they gave us all the bad news about what could happen. It turned out she just was a beautiful baby, and now she's a beautiful woman here with her own children. That's right. And then uh, two and a half years, two years later, we had a son, uh, Corey, and uh, Corey was not premature; he was. <sighs> 12 pounds, three ounces. He turned out to be a big and, boy. Uh, he, he, he came out bouncing a ball. He was just, you know, that athletic to start with. And so we had extremes with the children. And um, both of them have grown up here in this area. They're both natives. And um, Callie's now teaching first grade at uh, Diplomat Elementary School, uh, married to a wonderful young man, young man. He's not young anymore. Yeah. Uh, married to Luke. And uh, he, he is also a teacher. He's a sixth grade math teacher at Diplomat Middle School. 
Um, Corey has been working in a, a coffee ministry for quite some time uh, from Guatemala, but recently he um, had been working at an exterminator's office at Irvin Pest Control, and they were bought out by another company, and Corey decided it was time to step out on his own. So we went through all the tests and certifications. So now he's got his own extermination company mm. called Pest Fix. Mm. I call them. They're good. <laughs> and uh, Pest Is he no longer roasting coffee? He's still roasting coffee, and he was doing that with Riverside Baptist. Right, yeah. And uh, he taught some of the young people down there about how to be baristas and how to do the mixes and the coffees and all that stuff. And he does all the fancy designs, but he really starts with the green coffee cup from Guatemala and then roasts it all up and everything. And since it's gotten a little bit bigger now and he's getting really busy with the exterminator company, then he's having somebody else do the roasting. So he's had to delegate some of that out. And um, God led him into a lot of neat ministries through Mm -hmm. that. Uh, And he spent six months in Guatemala as a missionary and uh, got to work with some really poor indigenous people in that area, Mm -hmm. but with one just outstanding missionary down there who is an American citizen, but he has dual citizenship there. And uh, Corey learned a lot from him. He's married to Olivia, um, who was raised here at McGregor. And uh, they have one daughter uh, that's uh, Bryn Lee, and she's just a charmer. She's a, a sweet little girl. She's um, she and my youngest grandson are both within about a month of each other, so they're about a, roughly a year and a half old. And then uh, Callie's oldest boy is Hunter, and he's uh, four, four and a half yeah. now. Growing yep. up. So three grandkids yep. keep you busy, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. I know. I know you love that. What are some of the things you enjoy doing when you're in your spare time? Uh, I ride a bicycle a lot. I'm... I'm have a, a e bike now. I've got a Himaway electric bike that I, I ride. I started doing that a year and a half ago after a heart attack that mm-hmm. I had. I, I had the heart attack while I was on the bicycle, and um, I walked the bike home and thought I just overheated and called the ambulance. And I ended up having three stents put in. But uh, after that, Marcia and I talked about it and I said, maybe it's time for an e-bike. And so now I've got a throttle so that I can pedal as much as I want. And then when it gets a little too hot or a little too far, Kick it I can in twist and, the man, throttle. That's and it's got nice. pedal assist so that if I'm pedaling, it's helping. Or I can just coast and turn that throttle and do about 24 miles an hour back home if I want to. Nice. So that worked good. And <laughs> I I fish a little bit. Yeah, man, yeah. I've heard you talk about fishing a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, one of the things that I wanted to have, the main reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is uh, just as I do for almost everybody that comes on is to give them a chance to share a little bit of their story, mm. specifically God's story in their life, because really our lives are really his story. And I, I want you to start by sharing how you first came to know Christ, because that's a fascinating part of your story. And then we'll just kind of move through that progression. And uh, I teased earlier about from teaching to feeding, and we'll get to some of the yeah. some of the vocational things and the ministry things as well. But yeah. let's go back to when um, the Lord first began yeah. dealing with I, you. He started dealing with me a long time before I realized it. <laughs> Um, When we moved from Connecticut down to East Fort Myers, um, mom and dad started going to Tice Methodist Church. And uh, being in Methodist Church, I was taught to be a good boy Mm. and to do what mom and dad said and to to be quiet in church and uh, to be the best I could be. And uh, that's what my dad especially taught me. He said, be a good boy, be better than other people. And so that was my goal. And uh, while I was in high school, uh, one of my friends invited me to a a Youth for Christ rally uh, at Terry Park out in East Fort Myers, a big tent meeting. 
it was a revival. And I went to that tent meeting, and that was the first time that I heard a fire and brimstone preacher talk to me and tell me that I was a, I was a sinner, Mark, hmm. and I was offended. I was deeply offended to hear that I was a sinner because I was always told that I was to be a good boy and the best I could be. You hadn't heard that before. Had not heard that before. And so that's where the conviction started, but it hmm. was like a slow seed to grow. Hmm. And um, so anyway, I, I went on. Uh, you know, through high school and then uh, college. And after college, um, I, I was living out in East Fort Myers, and uh, I was riding a bicycle in my neighborhood, and I was coming home. And uh, one of my high school friends uh, lived down the street from me, and she and her husband, and Sandy was out in her front yard. And so I saw her, and I waved, and she waved, and she asked me to stop. So I stopped, and she just chatted back and forth. And she said, I want to ask if you would be interested in coming to church with us Sunday. And I said, yes. <laughs> and both of us were really surprised. She didn't expect anybody to say yes, and I don't really know why I did. It, yeah. So anyway, into that church, and it was a um, small church just getting started. It was part of Riverside Baptist, but a mission church out in on uh, Ortez Avenue. And um, I went to that church, and that's where I really started being under conviction. Mm. And um, the, the preachers out there really were laying the gospel out to me, and I had never heard it before. Wow. Uh, when we were at the other church, we would read you know, we'd read some scripture and then we'd go off and talk about being a good person mm. and really never connected any of that together. And uh, so uh, because of Sandy, I started going to the that Baptist church, and that's where I started getting under conviction. And I was at the point where I was... Uh, I guess I was going to be saved. You were close. I was close. And then I guess Satan looked at me and he said, I don't want to lose this one. I'm going to double up on him. And when things started happening and I really went, I didn't drift away. I turned and chugged away from mm -hmm. the Lord. And it, it was like, I don't know why. I don't know what happened, but I just was totally pulled away from, from the Lord. And I didn't want to hear anything about it. And um, I was teaching at uh, Calusa Middle School, and um, one of the other teachers that was there was um, named Marcia. She was a math teacher. And uh, we ended up falling in love with each other, and we ended up getting married. And uh, before we got married, we uh, were talking about you know, our future life coming together, and we decided we, we really needed to get a good church to connect with. And that little Baptist church was still ringing back there in the back of my head. Mm. And so I started asking some of my friends, where's a good Baptist church? And I, um, uh, we were both living way over in Cape Coral at that time. And uh, actually, I was living on Pine Island, and uh, she was in Cape Coral. And uh, so anyway, somebody mentioned to us McGregor Baptist Church, this little church on McGregor Boulevard. And so that next Sunday after that, we both went to McGregor, and, and we haven't left. We're still here. <laughs> and, what uh, year was that? Um, man, you asked me hard questions with the numbers. Um, <laughs> They got married in 79, so it must have been 77, 78, something like that. Jim Holbrook was a preacher. Right. And uh, so we, we um, had him. He actually married us, mm. and uh, we went through counseling with him, and I still remember him telling us you know, good advice about being married that's not 50-50, it's 100%, 100%. Uh, if you're on one side and, and your marriage partner's on the other side and you're both working toward Jesus, you're getting closer together. Thank you, Jim. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that, that really helped us establish a good, firm basis for our marriage. And then he, he married us um, at that building. Uh, I tell people now we were married at the Salvation Army building, uh, but that's where it was. And that's what it is now. And, and um, so we've started teaching Sunday school classes. Well, let's back up a little bit because... 
up till this point when your story, you were, you were running from the Lord, but you started going to church. So what, yeah. what happened? What, what changed there? God didn't change. I did. Yeah. Um, but uh, just being under conviction and then listening to Jim Holbrook's preaching, it was like I realized that I need to make a stand. I needed to make a, a change in my life that was going to be a big enough change that other people would see it and know it. And so I, um, I, I talked to Marsh about it, and I said, I, I, I need to go forward in church. I need to commit my life publicly you know, to, to Christ. And um, gosh, it tears, it tears me up here. Hmm. But uh, I, I decided to do that. And so one Sunday there at McGregor in the old building, um, when it came to the end of the, the church service, there was an altar call, and, and I, I let go of that pew in front of me. There were fingerprints in it, and I, I walked out at that aisle, and I walked forward, and it, I just felt like I was, I was freed up. Mm. That um, I'm sure the angels were singing, <laughs> mm. but uh, I walked forward, and I, I told Pastor Jim, I said, I'm, you know, I'm, I want to be saved, mm. and uh, so he, he led me through the sinner's prayer, and we did all that, and I, I, at that point, I became truly saved truly saved yeah. uh, that, that being under conviction lasted a long time mm. but uh it wasn't until i heard him preaching and really hearing that true gospel message and that was where i decided okay it's it's not up to my mom and dad it's not up to my good grandmother it's not up to my friends i have to make a decision for myself and i decided to follow christ amen and that 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 really is a beautiful picture of that that moment where we realize we are a sinner and we can't save ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, we can, we can by faith choose to follow Him, but it's it's Him that does the saving, yep. and uh, we turn from our sin and put our faith and trust in Him. You know, and that was a big cultural change for me because I'd always been taught to stand on your own, do your own thing. Um, God is my co-pilot. No, no, I want God to be my pilot. Amen. And that uh, was a big cultural change for me from what I had been taught, what I grew up with, for the the culture that I grew up in. Mm. You know, to 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 give up myself and take Him on, let yeah. Him lead me yeah. to do that. And that you know, in some ways, is kind of sad because you had grown up going to church, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people have grown up going to church. Oh yeah, and they'll never hear the true gospel message yeah. of what Christ has done for them. It's not what they can do to earn God's favor or earn God's acceptance. It's only yep. what Christ has done for them. Yep. And I'm grateful for a lady by the name of Sandy. Sandy Musselman. That uh, got Sandy out of her... After she got married. Sandy got out Musselman. of her comfort zone, right? To yeah. ask you and invite you to church. You know, and that's something any one of us can do is to ask one of our friends, you want yeah. to come to church with me? But don't be surprised when somebody says yes and yeah. it changes their life. Exactly. And I think that that's such a good point because we talk about that you know, here at McGregor about how important it is to invite people to come to church. Obviously, we want to get the conversation to, to the gospel eventually, but sometimes it starts with that first invite. Hey, why don't you come to yeah. church with us? Why don't you come to Life Group with us? And I'm grateful for you that Sandy took the initiative and did what was not comfortable for her. And I'm sure you've been reminded of that many times when you've invited people sure to come have. to church. Yep. I don't uh, always get yeses. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm going to get a lot of no's, but that's not. we're not doing it for the yeses or the no's. Right. We're doing it to be faithful and obedient yep. to God. So I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful for somebody at uh, the church that you've started going to. With it, it, Sandy took you to that was preaching the gospel, that you began to come under conviction, even though you fought it for yep. years. 
And then ultimately to be at McGregor. It was a good seed that was yeah, planted. Right. It just uh, took a while yeah. to get the right watering. <laughs> and then to hear the gospel as Pastor Jim uh, preached it and to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and yep. to, to give your life to Christ at that you, point. You don't hear that term under conviction very much, um, but it's something that um, people go through. If, if they're really developing as a, as a, from a non-believer, an unbeliever, maybe even never ever hearing, so not knowing the difference to the point where they're really um, um, a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to go through a period where you have to be asking questions, you've got to be doubting, and you've got to be supported in things. You've got to have somebody that you can ask questions to. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's, I'm, I'm at the point now where I, the person being asked questions of more than asking the questions. Although when, when you preach and when the other guys get up there and, and preach like that, it's like, boy, you answer a lot of questions, but it also raises questions. Mm-hmm. And then I've got that book to go looking for for some answers. In. <laughs> that's right. And uh, they aren't all yeah. in front of me yet. I've still yeah. got some more work to do, and that's okay. exciting. So you come to know the Lord. Uh, I'm assuming you got baptized by... Pastor Jim, yeah, perhaps? I, well? I, I was sprinkled as a Methodist, and then I got baptized on the right side of my salvation yeah. uh, with uh, Jim Holbrook, and that was at the old Riverside Baptist Church out in East Fort Myers. Okay. Yeah. Had to climb up the back. Very familiar with that church. Yes. Step into that little baptismal up mm. there, and it was dark. And, uh, <laughs> and then so, I, so you're baptized, you're, you're, you're growing now in your faith. What are some of the things that, that begin to happen as far as that sanctification process in your life, as well as opportunities to serve? Well, one of the early things that happened was that uh, after Marsha and I were both saved, um, we got married. Mm. And, uh, you know, at that point, um, we we started building a Christian household, mm. and uh, we really wanted children. And um, for quite a few years, quite a few years, uh, there were no children. And um, we had gone to doctors, and the doctors said, you're not likely to have kids. Mm. And so we kind of accepted that. And we even looked into adoption, and uh, that didn't work. And then... Uh, all of a sudden, one day, Marsha told me, she said, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and I said, are you sure? <laughs> and uh, she said, yeah, I'm sure. And so we ended up having a miracle baby. Mm. And um, you know, we went through that pregnancy, and it was really tough on Marsha. She, um, she was a couch potato for a while. She couldn't move. She had high blood pressure, and she had uh, some medical problems with that. And then um, with the high blood pressure, she had to have an emergency C-section, and that's when Callie came along. And a little, a little early, three pounds six ounces at about thirty weeks, twenty-eight mm-hmm. weeks gestation, yeah. and uh, Callie's just perfect now. I mean, she's yeah. a beautiful young, beautiful lady. Okay, she's young lady, Callie. She's young lady, and uh, so anyway, we, we went through that, and then uh, shortly after that, with you know, with with Corey. And then, um, then your your whole life changes. You know, then instead of just the two of you, and we did a lot of traveling, and we were teaching, so off, we were off in the summers and stuff, and uh, we did a lot of traveling. And then uh, with the kids, that kind of anchored us, and so we started putting, you know, more time into, you know, BMX for Corey and and uh, soccer for Corey. And then Callie was involved in the band at school, and she was a twirler. She was doing the the, the rifles and the flags, and she's doing all that stuff. So we we put a lot of time and effort and money into having those kids grow up into those things. And, um, and then um, now the kids left, they got their own families. And so we're at that empty nest stage. And so now we're babysitting grandchildren and um, uh, retired from teaching after How long have 41 you ta- years. Yeah, so I was going to ask, 41 years as 41 a years teacher? teacher. And- I was a, a teacher. I taught uh, middle school and then I quit teaching for a year and uh, I was burned out. 
um, and I went into landscaping. I did landscape design and uh, learned how to do blueprints and how to do scale drawings and stuff. And um, uh, um, had to be able to sell a job, had to talk to people, had to problem solve, think big picture, think three-dimensional, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't realize it at the time, but those were skills I was going to need later on after retirement from teaching. Um, and then um, um, uh, uh, Marsha and I both are Golden Apple teachers. Congratulations. There's uh, not many That's, couples yeah. that are both Golden Apple yeah, teachers, and both of us got that. Um, I got that in uh, 1990. I was also Lee County Teacher of the Year that year. So uh, I was recognized you know, for teaching skills. And uh, I, I, I was a good teacher because I loved what I did. And I taught the way I wanted to learn. Mm. And um, so I had uh, kids that did all kinds of strange projects and you know different ways of learning and stuff. Now, you've uh, taught at church as well. Tell us a little bit about your, yeah, your ministry. Right after and- Marsh and I uh, got married at McGregor, then uh, they asked us if we would start teaching a newlywed class. Mm. And so we started teaching that newlywed class. And uh, a lot of those newlyweds are still, they're not newlyweds anymore, but mm. they're still here yeah. teaching their own classes. And um, so anyway, we, we started a newlyweds class and we did that for quite a few years. And then uh, you don't have newlyweds for very long. You know, pretty soon right. they graduate and go off to other mm-hmm. classes. And so then we moved into teaching our, our own Bible study class. And uh, we were like 25 to 35 or something like that. And we we built a pretty tight group of people, um, many of which are still here at church. And uh, year by year by year, they just kept changing the little label on the box. Kept moving up. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and now we're in the 72-year-old group. <laughs> so we, we kept moving up that way. Yeah. And uh, I taught for 25 years in the Bible study. Wow. And um, realized that I was a student more than that. I, it would amaze me, Mark, when I would prepare a lesson for Sunday, and then I'd get into class and start teaching that lesson. And I don't – well, I do know – Things would just happen, just come out of me that it wasn't from me. It was the Holy Spirit How God working uses through. Yeah. And I don't mean to sound you know, holier than thou or anything like that, right. but if you really let yourself be used by the Holy Spirit, mm. amazing stuff happens. That's right. And uh, we, we, saw, we saw miracles happen in class. Mm. We saw healings take place. Um, we um, went through a lot of difficult times, tragedies where people you know, were lost in the family, mm. things like that. But we held tight to Jesus, and so that was something that got us all through. And then I had a bunch of stuff happen that it was just time for me to step back from teaching for a while. And so um, I just told the class one Sunday, I said, this is my last Sunday. I'm not teaching anymore. And I stepped back, and Ron Opel was one of the students I had in class. And Ron, if, if, if you know Ron, he's a bear of a man, sweetheart, teddy bear, really, but he's a big yeah. man. And he was sitting in class, leaning back in his chair with his arms folded. And uh, at the end of class, and we had class before church, so I had to finish up so we could get to church. And uh, he, he would cross his arms, he would say, Bob, I've got a question. Okay, Ron, what is it? And he would ask a question, and he asked hard questions. Mm. And uh, so I would answer the best I could, and a lot of times it was the Holy Spirit leading me on that one because it was over my head. And uh, so when I stepped back from teaching, Ron stepped up, and he had previously, he had no thought of ever being a teacher. But there was a vacancy. When you stepped and, down, yeah. And he filled it. He stepped in. And uh, he's, he's an outstanding teacher. He's a country boy teacher. 
And the, the way that he goes about teaching is very different from my style, but I can learn from him. He's mm-hmm. really a good teacher. And so I, I listened to, to him. And then Bronko Pavicevich was teaching other classes, and Bronko's class dissolved. And so then Bronco and Ron started co-teaching the class, and so we would switch back and forth. And just recently, we, we lost, lost Bronco. Bronco yeah. And so Ron has asked me if I would co-teach with him back teaching again. and so i'm, I'm yeah. back in it again now you have something that is really your passion as far as ministry you know and that's yeah. <laughs> uh, leading our mcgregor food pantry uh share briefly with us kind of how you took on the role as the director and a little bit yeah. of why that ministry so excites you our, our food pantry here at mcgregor is um unique i think in a lot of ways uh when we first started it was really in a closet here and i'm um, um, uh, like Barbara, one of our uh, pantry volunteers now was here then, and uh, people would come and they'd say, I need food, and she would go to the, the closet, and she'd give them maybe one or two or three cans of food, and that was our food pantry. And so it, it gradually was starting to grow, and then they ended up moving from this building down to East Fort Myers on Riverside Drive, and uh, had a, a nicer building. It was about 4,500 square feet with a warehouse section and a, and a bagging section and a seating area for volunteers and a counter counseling area. And uh, that's when Marsh and I first started volunteering, was there with, with Sherry Harmon. She mm-hmm. was the director then. Right. And uh, Sherry had, had built a pantry up you know, just tremendously. Um, it, it's really a small business. Mm. It, yeah, it really it, is. It has you know, money coming in from all from volunteers. We're not, not part of the, the financial part of the church as far as uh, um, missions. Mm. We're not part of the mission budget. Right. Uh, we rely on people just donating in. And uh, so people have been really generous with that. God's blessed us richly. And uh, so about uh, three and a half years ago, the building we were in on the river in East Fort Myers sold. And so Sherry asked Marsha and me if we would go looking for some other place to move to. And uh, so we, we had maybe six months you know, to move. And so Marsha and I went to see uh, the city council of Fort Myers and talked with them. And um, so they said, oh, yeah, well, we, we know everybody. We'll find you a place. Well, the places they were talking about were like out at the industrial park. And it's a nice building, but there's no people around it. Yeah. There's no houses. And uh, we found a couple of places downtown, but they didn't have enough parking or they didn't have a big door where you could get pallets in and out. And so every place we found was the door just shut. And then we finally found a place on Fowler Street that uh, uh, was a, had been a machine shop. And um, the... Um, the uh, real estate guy we talked to said it was available. We could, if we want to move in, that the owner would make some changes to the building so it would accommodate us. And so we decided, well, let's let's go ahead and look into that. Well, about that same time, Sherry and, and Sam um, were really wanting to get out of the pantry ministry. For just one person doing that, it's a really big job being the, the director of that. And so Sherry and Sam took us out for lunch one day and and said that they were going to step back and they wanted us to take it over. And uh, so we said, well, how about if we be co-directors with you for a while? We do it six months, we'll do it six months or every other week or something. And Sherry said, no. Hmm. And so we said, well, okay, let's talk to Russell. And so Russell agreed to let us let us be the interim directors. Mm. And that was four years ago. <laughs> still still going. I think, I think we taken the in, yeah, we taken the interim yeah, I think it's uh, title off of there. And, yeah. And uh, so when we we did that, then we just about that time we were making, making the move, move to this new property. And um it, big it, project. It got yeah. to be a whole lot more complicated yeah. than it looked. First of all we found out the zoning was wrong and it was zoned uh, 
uh, commercial industrial, which is the lowest level of zoning, we thought. And then as we're trying to get the certificate of occupancy, the lady said, oh, no, there's one lower level, and that's for food pantries. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had to go through the city and meet committees, and we had to, we had to pay fees. We paid $17,000 yeah. to get fees through the city to get into that property. And, um, and, and the money was there. People donated you know, out of you know their yeah. their their faith to, to keep the pantry going, and so we got through all those hurdles, and uh, we opened up the new pantry. And at the same time that we signed the contract for the new property, the fa- the sale fell through at the original place. Huh. And so we talked to Russell, and Russell said, it's like if you ask a girl to a dance, but you don't really want to go with her, and then the girl you really want to go to breaks up with the boyfriend, but you've already asked the other girl. you got to go with the one you made a promise to. So that's how we ended up, and it's a great place to be. It is a great place. Tell us, though, what what you why you are passionate about this ministry. What Because it's it's hard work. Yeah, but yet you you get more excited, and we only have a few minutes left here. But what 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 I, really I gets go you? For an hour and uh, we don't have an hour. Okay. And a half. <laughs> um, I, I'm really passionate about it for a lot of reasons. One is that all the things that God put me through, you know, with quitting teaching, doing landscaping, um, being an assistant principal, uh, being a teacher, all those were skill building. That I need those skills as the director of a big food pantry. He was preparing you. Uh, I didn't know he was preparing me. He was preparing me even before I was saved. Yeah. And I didn't realize it until you can look back. It's easier to look back and see stuff than it is right. when you're in the middle of it. That's right. And, and uh, so now I'm working with about 45 or 50 volunteers. We're all volunteers. I don't get paid for this either. But uh, we're, we're all volunteers that work there. And we're, we're just a tight group. But, I mean, we love each other. And we're so different from each other. There are people that are really good people people. And there's other people that don't want to talk to mm. the clients coming in. They're really happy piling up boxes. Mm-hmm. And so it's... It's all like kinds of all positions. these different yeah. skills and they all mesh together. Talk real quickly about the size, like you know, how many families are you ministering to? The amount of food, yeah. just so they can get a, people can get since, a scale. Since the pandemic, we really dropped off, and uh, now we're starting to build back up again. And um, we we are right now running about 500 families a month. That's um, about 2,600 individuals that are being fed every month. Uh, it's been steadily increasing now as the 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 federal money, the government money is starting to dry up, the more people are feeling the need and our numbers are going up. Um, we're considering an emergency food pantry. We're not a grocery store. Um, so we want to help people through a rough time right. so they can get on their feet. Our counselors help with everything from, from locating jobs to uh, helping their kids find eyeglasses to uh, recommending people to come over for the clothes closet. Um, we, we have a resource guide so the counselors aren't just getting the government paperwork done. And then the most exciting part is that when they finish the government work, each counselor does it a different way, but they'll ask the client, um, are you attending church? Or, you know, how's your spiritual life? Or how's your soul today? You know, different clients are different. um, Counselors do it different ways, but they will ask me about that. And we have salvations regularly occurring mm-hmm. at that pantry. And it's like, I almost want to put a bell out there to ring the bell every time, but you can't do that because yeah. you have people that just wanted to ring the bell. You know, yeah. we want it to be sincere. Yeah. And um, we have um, uh, people that don't speak English. We have people that are Hispanic people, people that are uh, speaking Portuguese. We have, we have um, people that speak Haitian Creole that come in. And a lot of times it's smiling and pointing and a lot, things like that. But it's just exciting to see 
people come in for food, physical food, and leave with spiritual food when they go out. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's an exciting place to be every week. Yeah, that's that's neat. And if anybody wants to volunteer, they can contact the church, and we'll put them in touch with you. They, and they can. can go through that process. Uh, right of, now, we really have enough volunteers, and uh, we still have wow. people coming back. But um, um, please have them call. We'd like to talk to them. We can put them on a you know waiting list. Food, the uh, clothes closet still needs volunteers. They need so volunteers. We've been directing people that way that want to volunteer. Yeah, that's and, just uh, getting back up on its feet. And so. it's open one day a week, and it sh- it should be open more, more. often. Than yeah, that. so we'll absolutely. work with that. Good word. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up, but I have to ask you, how long have you had your mustache? How, you know, <laughs> people know you as the mustache guy, right? Yeah, yeah handlebar mustaches. Yeah, you know, it gets a lot of attention. Yeah. Uh, I, I grew a mustache when I was teaching eighth grade science because I was only a few years older than my kids, and so I Went grew to the mustache older. to look older. And then I was walking through a drugstore one day and I saw mustache wax for the first time oh. and I had already grown a brush mustache like Terry Thomas English actor and I looked at the wax and I thought I could do that <laughs> and, and I bought it I took it home and I tried it and I had a little bit of a curl and I took a dare and I dared myself and I went to school the next day and the kids thought it was great and so eventually it kept getting longer and longer and it got out really wide for a while and it's a lot shorter now but uh, when it gets wet I look more like a catfish you know so it's it always looks good though Bob when, when I had hearing impaired kids I knew when the kids were talking about me because that they would use their little fingers to make a curl, a curl. <laughs> that was Mr. Fain, so. I think that's a good point to wrap up this episode <laughs> of here thank you so much for uh, for joining us uh, bob and, and those of you listening thank you for being a part of our here at home podcast and if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast i would encourage you to do that bob's going to go home and subscribe to the here at home podcast so when this one comes out he'll be ready to to listen to it on his podcast player his phone or maybe wa- uh, watch it online on the youtube channel but thank you for listening and we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks right back here at home